Hello, welcome to Bible Center Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Henry. I'm your other co-host, Matthew. And today we're discussing Daniel Craig's Bond and his... So far, we've only seen the four films. No Time Die is not yet out as mm-hmm. I'm recording. Um, probably going to go into full spoilers for the previous four films because they've been out for a while. Because mm-hmm. um, he's, he's had a... I would say an up and down career <laughs> as Bond. Um, so yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, before that, so let you know we do have a Instagram account at Marvelous and a Podcast. Uh, we do reviews during the week and a podcast usually on a Monday. Uh, right now, we are uploading reviews for every Daniel Craig Bond film and mm-hmm. taking part in the Countdown to Bond 25 event. We are. Uh, well, soon we'll be uploading a review for uh, Two Dalton's License to Kill. Uh, which is an interesting Bond film because I think it's quite controversial, maybe because it's not it's not the usual Bond film. <laughs> um, it's not, and it's definitely it feels like a trial run for Daniel Craig's era, um, but not quite there yet. <laughs> um, so yeah, we've got Instagram account at, at Marvelous Cinema Podcast. We've also got a Twitter account at Cinema Marvelous. Doing the same thing over there. Uh, reviews during the week. Bond, bond at the moment and uh, podcast on the Monday usually, uh, but yeah, feel free to contact us or share us or give us a review and the podcast server you're listening on um, helps out massively. It does. It's much appreciated uh, that you're even listening to begin with. <laughs> uh, much appreciated. Um, but yeah, do you want to do you want to get started with? I guess your opinion on Bond as a franchise, I guess, because. I think it kind of helps leading into our feelings on Craig, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the best way to sum it up is a lot of this franchise is very much of its time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, it shows the you know a lot of the symptoms of of sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties culture, um, mm-hmm. and. That the effect of that isn't always good stuff. Yeah, it's not um, always great. <laughs> I think some of the earlier ones are still among the popular ones for the spy and the espionage elements, and for maintaining a relative sort of groundedness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for the most part, you know, you've you've got from Russia with Love and Goldfinger. They do involve. You know, they involve wacky gadgets and cool things, but for the most part, they are fairly grounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they are certainly grounded in comparison to to Moonraker, which is James Bond in a Star Wars film. As, <laughs> as you know, it was reviewed recently as part of, the, you mentioned the countdown to Bond 25 event that we're doing on Instagram. Uh, one, of our, one of our good friends uh, at Maestro's Take was reviewing uh, Moonraker, and he did comment how, it is Star Wars, but with James Bond and Jaws just running about. <laughs> it devolves into a big old laser battle. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you do have you do have the more grounded elements in the earlier ones, which are very much in its favour, I suppose. But then against the favour, you have probably the questionable morals at the forefront. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um the fact that the character called Pussy Galore alone should tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, um, and as as the Bond franchise has gone on, it's sort of gotten wackier, it's gotten into different territories each. I, I think it's probably fair to say that we haven't had a Bond that's 
been samey. I think every actor that's played Bond has been different enough. And they have made it their own in their own way. Some more than others, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we you can have your opinions on that. Everyone has the favourite. I Maybe controversial opinion, opinion but I, I really don't like Roger Moore's Bond. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> I think he's by far the, the, the worst version of the character. Um, while, while Sean Connery's version is definitely misogynistic and sexist, Roger Moore's version is just very sleazy. And almost yeah, a bit creepy. He's kind of, he's, yeah, and he, I think the problem with Roger Moore especially is that he's, like, you can tell he's the oldest Bond, mm. and he's I always the, put with, like, the younger uh, side characters. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I think... Some of his later ones, he was he was in his early fifties. Yeah, which Daniel Craig yeah. is is now. Mm-hmm. But I think Daniel Craig can maybe get away with it more because he's you know he's in better shape. Yeah, and also his films don't rely upon him being constantly every other scene seducing a different woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it is odd that his main love interest at the moment is definitely younger than him, but it's not every scene is like a different person, like a different woman he's trying to seduce, <laughs> which has always been a bit odd. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, yeah, so Roger Moore's very much of his time. I, I personally quite like Pierce Brosnan. Me too, yeah. While I think he's probably in some of the weakest films of the entire franchise, mm-hmm. um, you know, surfing a wave, comes to mind <laughs> uh, I, I do think he's probably you know in with a shout I, I, I would say maybe pre-Craig era my favourite Bond film would probably be Goldeneye yeah I'd agree yeah um, and so yeah um, uh, but then that sort of brought us to Craig which is um, a harder reboot from the franchise mm-hmm because previously you had the really weird aspect of, is it the same person? <laughs> yeah, it was always uh, like, he's always got a dead wife that he mentions, but mm, is it really the same wife? <laughs> I know, because yeah, yeah, as I mentioned, we're watching Licence to Kill, and that gets mentioned fairly early on, because it's a wedding. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I started thinking, wasn't that 20 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> wasn't he like 20 years older, maybe? <laughs> It's yeah, so it's difficult to tell um, unless that you know there is the fan theory that it's just a different person and James Bond's a code name. Mm-hmm. But it would be really weird if it was just they kept on finding someone whose wife had died. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> As part of the 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 sort of background check, you got to have a wife that's died. And so yeah, so you, we got to Craig, and it's a harsh reboot of the franchise and I think it was all the better for it because mm-hmm. it feels like it feels like almost every single detail was changed yeah it's not just yeah. like alright we're starting again let's 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 go it was mm-hmm. a complete tonal tonal thing in fact, they, which is, is weird when I think about it because Judy Dench was M in some of the Brosnan films mm-hmm. yeah and that blows my mind. Yeah, it kind of feels like she's 
it doesn't she doesn't really feel like she would fit in that era, but she she does, but she definitely fits the new Craig films more. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Um it just it was weird for me when they were doing a complete rebirth. So we've got a new bond, we've got a new style. Mm. What should we do for M? She's getting Judy Dench. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of hard to top her because I feel like. Great, great. Like no, yeah, yeah. I feel like Ralph Fiennes is doing a good job, but I don't think he compares to Judy Dench. Like mm. really, he hasn't got I the think, sass. No, he. I feel like he works well and he's definitely going for something different, which I appreciate because I would rather not do the same thing again. But mm. Julian Enter's M is kind of an iconic kind of casting, I would say. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. And that sort of, like I said, brings us to Craig mm-hmm. and definitely the best period in the franchise. I I would definitely agree. I think it's the first time the character ever became a real character honestly mm. yeah it's every now and then there's like a sprinkle like uh i'm just a secret service he kind of feels a bit more human mm-hmm. yeah um because you know he genuinely falls in love and he gets married and she dies <laughs> yeah um and and you, you can like like you said you, you mentioned um a minute ago that it feels like they tried to do that with uh license to kill Mm-hmm. It feels like yeah. we were we were nearly there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I but, I always wonder if we got a third Dalton one, would he have been definitively like the the darker Bond, mm. and like the actual first time gore that went well, <laughs> other than kind of just he made two films that were kind of halfway there, <laughs> and then Invisible Car. Yeah, somehow. We, I, yeah, I think this is my main problem with the, the franchise as a whole, is I don't know how they... I can never trust that they're going to commit to what they say they're going to commit to. Mm-hmm. Like, GoldenEye, for example, sets a really clear tone for Brosnan, um, but then somehow, not even until, like, not even, like, three movies later, I think it's still, like, I would say the world's not left properly, like, it's still... We take a massive leap in tone from, like, He's on a boat that can drive on land and there's like really goofy, not really goofy, but quite goofy like actor sequences and the characters don't have that much depth to them as they did in GoldenEye. It's kind of reverting back to just give someone gold teeth and that'll be fine. Like it's, it's yeah, it kind of somehow, I never trust that what they say is going to be this bond is actually true until mm-hmm. like the third film probably like. <laughs> And I feel like that's kind of a similar thing with Daniel Craig. Um, it's kind of annoying because I feel like Casino Royale is just a good reboot for the character and sets just a clear tone. And then mm-hmm. I I love Skyfall, but Skyfall is definitely kind of another soft reboot, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, he definitely feels like there's a movie in between Quantum and Skyfall where it explains how he got to Skyfall. <laughs> um, but... I, again, I love Skyfall, but I think it goes too far with Spectre, where somehow the Bond that was promised as the the rough Bond and kind of the one that isn't suave as much as the other ones is kind of the one that now is always wearing a suit and he's always like wearing the best clothes ever. Wearing Casino Royale, he would wear like nice clothes, but it would be practical clothes, like it'd be a t-shirt, a Hawaiian shirt for one scene, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and. And now we have this kind of Spectre movie where he's barely breaking a sweat doing any of the action and 
the plot is again like went from not from like it's not unrealistic but it's kind of became like he's got a headquarters and all this sort of thing and it's an a evil base brand. okay yeah yeah like it's it's almost there and it's like i didn't understand why we ever thought that the point of a reboot was to finally get back to the original at some point mm. um so i feel like that's what bond and daniel craig has been for a while and, and i don't think that was what it was meant to be mm. i feel like martin campbell made casino royale and was like this is the new bond for the new era and then people maybe audiences all the producers took that as new bond for a new era but then at the end when he says that line bond james bond that's meant to be he's finally going to be that bond from the previous films again mm. and i never wanted that <laughs> so and i feel like that's kind of been a mistake from specter's part and it's i'm really interested to see how no time to die might go back to casino royale and kind of make a mixture between skyfall and casino royale and not just we're doing the old thing again <laughs> um it's kind of irritating um but yeah uh, yeah i yeah, the franchise never settles down, if that makes sense. No, it does. Um, never stays still for a moment. Yeah, and I think, would you agree that the problem with, I would say for almost every film before Craig entered, was that they all kind of seemed tied to a certain structure? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think mm. they, they they almost all relied on Right, Bond, we're sending you here to do blah, blah, blah. And you're mm-hmm. going to do spy stuff. <laughs> yeah. And they yeah. never <laughs> felt like there was any particular reason why he was there. Mm-hmm. Um, other than other than it being his job. But you, you know what I mean? It's sort of like, well, why why, why does he want to be here? It was yeah. something that was yeah. always, always lacking. Um, and like you said, there are sprinkles of it here and there. With George Lazenby's version in *A Majesty's Secret Service* and with sort of with Timothy Dalton, but it's never, never completely there. There's never any real investment from Bond in what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Until you know *Casino Royale*, where it sort of it starts off in that vein of "So you're a spy, and we're sending you to do some spy stuff." Mm-hmm. But then, as the film goes on. You know, it's sort of like a deconstruction of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's that's probably the, the aspect that works the best about those films. And that continues, you know, not necessarily in, in Quantum of Solace, but it definitely continues in Skyfall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it almost sort of turns it up to 11 for Skyfall. <laughs> and, and, and so it's sort of, it has that, that sort of extra spice that the, the pre-Craig ones didn't have, mm-hmm. or at least yeah. didn't have any, didn't show any real commitment to sticking to, because mm-hmm. it's almost like they were sort of writing writing notes or building ideas for the previous films, and they thought, oh yeah, wouldn't it be cool if James Bond cared for a bit? But then they <laughs> sort of they then it came to designing the stunts, designing the the gadgets, designing the villain, and they just kind of forgot mm-hmm. about that aspect. Yeah. Whereas for the yeah, most part, definitely. Casino Royale and Skyfall remain committed to that element. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, weirdly, Spectre seems committed to doing the opposite. 
Mm-hmm. It's um, really annoying to watch. <laughs> mm, I think uh, there's, there's. Having read your review, because um, I yeah, having having read your review, I'd say I, I'm pretty much the similar score. I maybe give it a slightly higher rating for a few things here and there, mm-hmm. but I am I'm, I'm we're on the same page with it. Yeah. I, I I understand yeah. things like trying to connect the, the villains, but making it more personal but connecting the villains just doesn't work yeah it's it's so it feels like it's lying to me when it does it and it's mm. it, and i feel like it's just kind of it means nothing like it doesn't really mean anything like mm. nothing comes from it and the villain who it's like i feel like specter is really like watching it's like watching what happens if you try to make Skyfall, but you just made the wrong choice at the same time. Like, if you try to make Skyfall, but you forgot the one important part that makes that scene great. Like, it's comparing, like, for example, um, Silver's entrance in Skyfall compared to uh, Blofeld in Spectre, like the, like the meteor <laughs> scene, I guess. Um, and it just feels so dishonest and kind of dull and I feel mm. like Blofeld played by Christopher Waltz unfortunately never gets a chance really ever to like stretch his kind of acting skills it all it's all kind of just this quietly reserved character mm-hmm. um who kind of just tells us this backstory and it's kind of interesting but then it feels like a spoof movie when it's revealed that they're kind of half brothers mm, yeah um, that, that's the element that loses I think yeah and it's it's like they must have watched awesome powers at some point they've been out for like 20 years now and not once they think maybe we shouldn't recreate the plot from gold member i think it was called and do that here but take it seriously um i feel like a perfect example of the bond franchise just never settles down to what it says it's going to do is to comparing like, the torture scenes from casino royale to Spectre. Mm, yeah, and yeah. Casino Royale has this really gritty, like generally like horrible to watch torture scene of <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Craig. Yeah, you know, bollocks like literally. Um and then we have Spectre where it's like just a vague kind of it's like a pristine white room. Um Bond is in his full suit still. He's not really under that much pain it seems because he's kind of just and there's no real effects from like the torture. Like apparently it's meant to make him lose his memory, but it doesn't. So it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. What's the point? And then from this we have, I think we, yeah, we, we we were texting about this before when I was like kind of going through the reviews, and I was like, that's got to be one of the most dull escaping a facility scenes in any movie ever. There's no threat whatsoever. It's so like it's like they were trying to make it as boring as possible, like. <laughs> The most he does in terms of like physical exercise is he opens a door really quickly to hit a guy in the head. That's his big move to get out of the like out of the place. Mm-hmm. And it's and he he shoots like ten guys, but it's all like one shot kills. And I and it just comes like to this point of like the film is definitely trying to be something that we're long past now. Um, mm-hmm. And. I, the energy I get from watching Daniel Craig 
like burst through that wall in the Exino Royale in the mm-hmm. parkour chase is like a million times the joy I get from seeing him be really suave and cool doing something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, it's night and day those two films, and it's a shame I think that it went that way. Um, I I just think it's so. Even Daniel Craig looks bored. He looks bored throughout that entire film, <laughs> <laughs> and I can't blame him because I'm I I I can't like because when I think about Daniel Craig and how he became Bond and how he said no initially because they had no script and he didn't want to do the formula again. You just because mm-hmm. like. As much as Pierce Brosnan is good in the role, I think his films are the most kind of just, um, just they just do the structure again and again until the very last one. Like it's Goldeneye kind of stretched out the structure a bit, but then Tremano dies. Well, not enough and Dino a day are just beat for beat the same film with different coat of paint and a bit more goofy every time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I understand why Daniel Craig wouldn't want to come back into the franchise. That's doing that. And then he read the script and he was like, oh, they do something different. So I can't imagine him reading the script for Spectre and being like, oh, thank God, another great film for me to do. <laughs> like, because it is the structure again. It's just this classic Bond structure, but Sam Mendes is there, so I guess he'll do it again. Like, I can't imagine he was happy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he seems, I, imagine, I can only imagine he's doing this one now because he feels like he wants to kind of, like, rejuvenate what, his bond was again for this final well, he, outing. He wanted to leave, didn't he? Yeah, he totally was like about to be done with it. And I think, I honestly think what happened was he, he kind of realized after having some time away from doing Spectre, that Spectre was so much not what like so Spectre was so much like not what he wanted to, to begin with. That if he did another great one on level with Skyfall, Casino Royale, hopefully, that mm-hmm. it would be a good send off point for him because I don't think. I don't think Spectre at all is a good goodbye to that that era of Bond at all. <laughs> no, it's not. He he kind of does say goodbye and that he walks off, but it doesn't it doesn't feel particularly satisfying. Yeah, I, he's vanquished this villain. Supposedly vanquished this villain who has supposedly been pulling strings all along, but we've known for literally five minutes because he's barely even in the film. Is Blofeld? Yeah, he's barely in it. Yeah, uh, and you know I do think it's a shame because. On one hand, I do understand why they'd want to include Blofeld in these this rebooted films. Mm-hmm. I get that completely because for the original franchise, because it is, it is still part of the franchise, and he is, for the most part, the big bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for so many of the classic Bond films, he is, he is the villain. So I understand why you'd want to slot him in. And you've got Christoph Waltz to, to play him, which I think is a brilliant casting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, you know, Christoph Waltz is a phenomenal actor, especially when it comes to villains. Yeah. Yet, you don't give him anything to work with. But yeah, he gets nothing to do. <laughs> I mean, he, I, I think he does remarkably well to not sound bored himself. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, it, the perfect moment for me of that character is when, when he's like talking about, to Bond behind that like glass. Um, in like the last kind of set piece thing, which again is so dull to watch because it's literally just Bond kind of speed walks through a derelict building and kind of just does nothing. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. That's the finale of that film. Um, but they kind of talk about how he's behind everything and they're looking at each other from like in, in at like from uh, at, from each side of the glass. 
And it's just like, I don't think the actors know what they're meant to be feeling at all. Mm. They kind of both just went for Jack, kind of annoyed at each other. Like, it's just, <laughs> there's something about it. And I feel like there's one moment that I'm really happy that happened that where Blofeld has like a little laugh to himself before he leaves the building. And I think like that's the one moment where I was like, oh, he has other emotions to play. <laughs> like, oh, you can do that. And that's, that's pretty much his last scene. Um, so I'm just, yeah, and I feel like it's just a shame that, because if, if, like, the the idea of the ending of Spectre sounds good. Like, he beats the big villain um, mm-hmm. by not killing him, and he goes away in the sunset with a new lover's life that I never thought he'd have again after Vesper. Like, that idea sounds good, but the way that that film kind of structures itself and the way that romance kind of develops is so half-hearted I guess it just it doesn't land at all it just feels really false um yeah it's not mm-hmm. a great ending and I feel um, like it's a bit like of a betrayal of the character honestly because of what Casino Royale and Skyfall and even Quantum did for the character to begin with mm. um yeah yeah and I once of and as well one thing that sort of just came to me uh, was that I think I I remember every time I've seen I have sighed when the white cat jumps onto Blofeld's lap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's it's one of them things. It's like it's like the watch with the laser beam in it, or the car with an ejector seat, or mm-hmm. it's just kind of <laughs> it it it's a symptom of an era of Bond which is done. Yeah. Yeah. I get why you'd want to bring Blofeld in and modernise Blofeld because he is a character and he mm-hmm. is important to the story of Bond. He's not like a, a style thing or a piece of iconography. He is a character that could have relevance to the plot. But the cat... <laughs> I can't even get so annoyed about a cat. But <laughs> it's just a kind of thing where you're paying homage to these films which I never liked. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and it's I, I know other people do because you know Bond films have they do have a great following, even the older ones that we're not keen on. Mm-hmm. They do, but I don't think there's anyone in sort of the general audience that wants to go there again. Yeah, yeah. Because I, like, what there's there's you know tw- Bond twenty five, so Daniel Craig has done five. So yeah, there's twenty films of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which culminated in surfing a, a, a wave and an invisible car. Yeah. At which yeah. point, I think everyone said, "I'm done." Yeah, we, we were we were a bit tired of it. <laughs> so think... why it it, it it puzzles me why they're trying to go back to it because it's it's such a clear sort of reboot from Casino Royale. Even Quantum of Solace is different from. The later uh, Pierce Brosnan films, mm-hmm. yeah. So it just it confuses me so much why why they do that harsh reboot without no without you know saying to each other if we do this we have to commit to it. Yeah, we've got to have even if it is in name Blofeld, we've got to make him completely different. Like yeah, like. And- like I, and just, 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 just that that sort of image of him in that base with the cat on his lap is probably 
is probably an example of that because he looks completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they've made the attempt to differentiate. He's not bald anymore. <laughs> he can. He's walking about. He, you know, he's a charismatic sort of charismatic actor as opposed to previous versions of Blofeld, which have been kind of awkward. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's yeah quite smooth. And then the cat jumps on his lap, and then it's sort of, and then he gets the scar as well. He does, yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of what? What are you telling me? Yeah. What do you want this Blofeld to be? <laughs> do you want him to be the villain to this new rebooted Bond, or do you want him to be the the villain that got dropped down a a big power shaft or whatever happened to him in one of the Roger Moore films? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, I, I just think Spectre. I, I feel like we're just talking about Spectre now, <laughs> but because Spectre is so annoying. I think I think that's the big thing about it. It's not just a, I would say a quite a bad film. I was just really annoying to watch because it's just a portrayal. And I think the majority of that film is just references mm. to previous films. And like, there's a train scene, and he's wearing a white tuxedo. And, you know, he sees a bad guy in reflection and Blofeld and the white cat. And it even references itself by having every character apparently come back to the fold again to be part of this film. Um, and it's just, it just feels so false. And, they, you know, they have a big boardroom scene, like in the classic films, but now it's all shadowy and, like, darker now. It's just, I mean, we have a henchman now. And, like, it just feels a bit kind of, it just feels really false to us, and I think I just think it's a shame that they went down that route for his fourth film. And I'm really happy, even if No Time to Die is not the greatest Bond film or is not on level with Skyfall or Casino Royale, I would be happy it was just a good film that fits within mm-hmm. like his first three films better. Yeah, um, and doesn't do this really weird thing I expected did. But mm-hmm. it's and yeah, and I feel like it. The previous like twenty films before Daniel Craig happened, just the most interesting part is like a par- I think it's a paradox, honestly, James Bond, because the most interesting part of James Bond is James Bond, but the films are, are never about James Bond. <laughs> so it's just about yeah. it's yeah. about the world of James Bond, but not about James Bond until elements of Goldeneye. Um, elements of On Her Mind and Secret Service and and then finally Casino Royale um, and I think it's just I think it's just kind of a shame that it took 20 films to get there mm. <laughs> um, but do you want to talk about how you feel about I guess do you want to talk about how you feel about Casino Royale at least and how mm, that one yeah. in your mind compares to the rest of them um, so yeah I, I had a bit of a weird experience watching this the last time I watched it because I watched it on TV mm-hmm. and um it must have started before the watershed, um, which is nine o'clock in the UK. You know, it's it, it's nine o'clock when things get really crazy. <laughs> um, but and they they've absolutely butchered the opening. Mm-hmm. You know the fight he has in the bathroom. Yeah, that had completely been butchered because they had to edit it for some for whatever reason. Right, but Casino <laughs> Royale, I. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it it it's a harsh reboot that the franchise needed, and I think it's you couldn't have asked for a better introduction to Daniel Craig's Bond. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I, there are so many aspects of it that not just are subtle differences from the original Bond, but often feel like feel like overt attempts to 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 to, to signal a change. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, for one example, is that you know it's perhaps mocked a lot, but Daniel Craig coming out of the water in his blue trunks. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, you know, it it's the opposite to the way women were treated in the very first uh, Bond film, Doctor No, because it's a quite a famous scene where the actress comes out of the water and Bond's creepily watching her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of felt like a like a fair flip. <laughs> if that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> um, and it, it it felt like an overt kind of way of saying things are different this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that goes on to the film. Like you have. You have a Bond girl that isn't just a Bond girl. Mm-hmm. Um, in in West Berlin, and you know they fall in love, and and she kind of betrays him, but <laughs> you know they they still they still have that that affection, and it's something which feels so different to all other versions of the of, of the character. Yeah, and it it just feels genuinely refreshing, and I think it helps a lot the way they go about it. Yeah. Like it's sort of initially it's sort of like, yeah, this is this is this is how you expect Bond to react in this kind of scenario. You know, mm-hmm. they're but they're both they're both flirting and they're on their way to do the mission and they're very much both introduced to the plot. Yet as it goes on with each sort of scene and, and exchange they share, it definitely feels like it's changing. Mm-hmm. Um and that that's that's one of the one of the best things about it. So that by the time you, you reach the end and he does do the name is Bond, James Bond, and you have that familiarity, it definitely feels different. Yeah, yeah. And it feels like we're finally at the point where we have Bond at the end of a Bond film. And you kind of understand him. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Which is something that even even with Sean Connery, yeah, you think you, think you know him. You suave English gentleman kind of thing. Mm. Like you genuinely feel like you know this character, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and that's probably the best thing to do. By it makes him feel vulnerable, and you know you have that little bit of emotion in there as well as modernized coolness. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also think uh, it, it from a from a visual point of view, I think it the action is pretty pretty great. I yeah. always remember the stairwell fight. Oh yeah, that's great. That's, that's a, a very great. good example of this version of Bond is best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what what would what would your general general thoughts on it be? Um, I love that film. I think it's mm-hmm. it's definitely my favorite of the Bond franchise. Um, I literally think it's I think it's like so like near perfect. I think it's just such a well structured film. And I feel the, the action is the action is I think it's at the best it's ever been. Like I, I love Skyfall mm-hmm. and I love well, I, I as well as say I love Quantum Solace. I don't, <laughs> but um, this part of Quantum Solace I do enjoy. But I feel like the action has never been as good as Casino Royale. Um, I feel like that opening parkour chase, and even just like the opening black and white like bathroom fight is mm-hmm. that by itself is so kind of different and raw and just kind of nice to see the bond character being mm. put through something actually yeah. like strenuous <laughs> um, it's like this 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 ain't your grandma's james bond yeah <laughs> like i think it's funny like i think i just i always think this and i think i've had people say it before as well that when i think about Daniel craig 
and you think about him being put in a room with every other James Bond, he would kill them all in like 10 <laughs> seconds. It's like, they've all got their judo chops and the gadgets, but he's got like, he'll just kill them all. <laughs> um, and I think that's kind of interesting to see. And I feel like his fight style is very much just whatever's around me, I'll use it, I guess. Cause I need to get through this. Um, it's not it's not like a particularly coordinated fight. It's just, it feels like brute strength. Yeah, it feels like he's just making it through it all. Like, he's, he's trained and he has, you know, sometimes like a fancy gun, maybe. Like, mm-hmm. um, But he, for the most part, is just getting through it, just barely, until mm-hmm. the very end. Um, and I feel like it's a great kind of, thing when you look back look at that character and the way he kind of I I literally think that screenplay for Casino Royale is so perfect because there's a lot of the action sequences especially in the beginning um but they're all very much used to kind of establish what this bond is um like there's a lot of action within the character like the love character within the actors sorry um mm. I mean a perfect example is definitely like that almost iconic thing of the parkour guy going through the a tiny little slit in the in the wall and then Daniel Craig just busts through the wall <laughs> and just looks he just looks so like done with it all. And I think that kind of sets the standard for what this guy is. And I think I just love watching that character and I love watching how he it does he evolves from act to act in that film. Um it's a film with I I would say probably four acts in that film. Um and it goes from this character who is a total brute who just kills for the sake of killing. <laughs> um, and again, he kind of does use women in that kind of old James Bond way at the beginning. Um, and it, at least in a way that is different in the sense that he's not interested in the women. He's more kind of, he knows that he's just using them. Like he leaves the woman after like two seconds to do the plot, essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then from that, we see him kind of meet Vesper. And we see that kind of slowly break down. And it's and I think it kind of is best exemplified in my favorite scene in the entire franchise, I think, is when they like share that shower together and it's mm-hmm. not yeah. it's not sexual, it's not kind of this could lead somewhere, this is a scene about them becoming more romantic. It's it's literally just Bond realizing that not everyone is like him mm-hmm. and and realizing that people there's a world outside of just his kind of one-track mind of the usual plot he's trying to destroy. Like, he's mm-hmm. not. And I think going from that, it's definitely the easily the best Bond, like, relationship, I think, ever. Yeah. Um, it feels like it was actually, like, a real romance. And I feel like that's the best thing about that film. Like, there's a real romance at the centre and not mm-hmm. just, a, unfortunately, I'd, like, kind of what the majority of franchises was kind of a fling <laughs> like that's what it kind of feels like for the most part um and this film does not have that at all it's like a full-on romance um and yeah i i love the majority of this film and i think it's it's just so like a great it's a perfect prequel kind of reboot situation um and yeah i just i think going forward quantum kind of takes what Casino Royale was doing and takes it too far because mm. <laughs> um, I feel like Quantum kind of went oh so this Bond is more like Jason Bourne he's more kind of less gadgety more kind of the villain is a terrorist and not some you know person in the ice palace like it's 
is like a real kind of down to earth threat. And they kind of went, mm. okay, let's take those elements and let's make the most grounded, character centric bond film ever. And they kind of just kind of forgot to make it interesting. <laughs> um, and it kind of just, and I feel like the big issue is definitely the action. Um, I feel like, unfortunately, Quantum Solace went, oh yeah, Casino Royale has like these kind of quick cutted kind of really intense uh, fight sequences, but they ignored the part where, at the very least, Casino Royale set the stage very clearly mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for every sequence. Um, whereas Quantum Solace just kind of, just kind of, I feel like the perfect example of this is the opening car chase, where for the most part it's just kind of individual images of, you suppose it's action, but you don't really know what's happening <laughs> until the very end. Um, it's kind of a shame for that film, but, mm-hmm. and I think you would agree, would you say that you at least prefer Quantum over Spectre? I just think that's quite difficult. Mm-hmm. Because... I. To me, it, thinking about it, I, I do think that Quantum Solace feels different. It, it, it feels like there's a change between Casino Royale and Quantum mm-hmm. I quite, can't quite put my finger on why. I think, I think, I think like you said, it's to do with, with the action sequences and the way, where it looks. Mm-hmm. But to me, that difference isn't there between Skyfall and Spectre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I feel like tonally, Spectre does blend to Skyfall very well, for the mm-hmm. most part. Kind of, yeah. Whereas Quantum of Solace feels a lot more all over the place. <laughs> it does, yeah. I feel um, like it, it kind of goes too far into like Bond is on a revenge mission. I see some of the logic behind it in that we've got Casino Royale and we've got this this solid bond reboot with very very good bond reboot mm-hmm. but now we want to we want to go bigger which i understand because that's what you want for a sequel in a way yeah you want you you want to step it up in in all sorts of aspects and i think they do they do try and do that they do it with the revenge side and they also do it with the plot as well but i just don't think it completely works because you have the two best films from from craig's era are casino royale and skyfall and they both benefit best from being a relatively contained plot. Yeah, yeah. Casino Royale is almost, I don't know, maybe even more than a third of that film is set at the casino. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they don't really leave for a good portion of the film. And I think it benefits immensely from that. Because some of the weaker Bond films are, they're all over the place. And it's difficult to follow because one minute you're in Cairo, the next you're in. Buenos Aires. The next, mm. you run some some alpine resort. <laughs> yeah, and all, all within one film. I, I do think Spectre is is particularly guilty of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But you, you have Casino Royale. You're in one place, and it sort of feels jarring to then go to Quantum of Solace, and we are kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're driving about. There's a lot of different locations. And I do think that, yeah, I, th- I, I think I would agree. I think Casino Royale does retain more of, a, of, a, of a, an interesting Bond story than Skyfall, no, not Skyfall, than Spectre does, because 
I'm ultimately more interested in how Bond goes about this revenge story than whatever happens in Spectre. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I think, I think the interesting thing about uh, the interesting thing about Quantum of is for me is that it kind of just it does feel like an epilogue to a different film. Like it mm. feels like it's trying to be Casino Royale. What happened next? Like <laughs> it feels more like that than an actual full-on sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, which of course we know happened for like reasons outside of the control of the people. It was more to do with the writer strike and a mm. time crunch of making the film, which led to it being more of a Casino Royale. But what happens at the end, like kind of sort of thing. Mm. And it, I feel like at a at least Casino, at least Quantum of is like a one-hour, forty-minute movie. And I feel like at least it gets through it, and at least it kind of doesn't expand too much in terms of scale to the point where we're just kind of thinking about what's the villain's plan, which is why I'm thinking of for the most part Inspector. Like, I don't mm-hmm. get it, what's happening. Like, it's it's something to do with information and technology and the actor who played, I think his name's Andrew Scott, maybe, the actor who played uh, yeah. Moriarty in uh, Sherlock is doing something in the offices. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's all incredibly big and not really well displayed. It's all kind of just like, it feels, again, it feels like Skyfall, but they forgot to make it clear. Like, Skyfall is very much, the main theme of that film is very much within that entire narrative of all of us is new. Um, mm. But Spectre kind of just says that we're doing it, but doesn't really make clear why or what it means for the characters. It's just sort of, there's a new building opposite MI6, and it's called the C building. I don't know. It's like it's just like <laughs> it's just really weird and odd, and it's it does not work at all. And I feel like after Skyfall, which I love being kind of set at the home of James Bond, I love that the film was in England for the most part, mm-hmm. um, in London, and then literally the home of James Bond and Skyfall. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I love that for the most part, and I think it's great for that film. But I think going from that to the next film being kind of just like oh yeah everyone's back and they're all doing their part and q's doing his hacking thing and the new m is doing his job in london and it's all very much we have a subplot where we're just staying in london and doing the same thing again it was yeah it's just an odd kind of tone change but i just feel like quantum at the very least is trying to be about bond and not mm-hmm. about the franchise around bond um which I much prefer, and and yeah, and I think ultimately those sort of franchise ties are what holds uh, Quantum of Solace back. I think. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Es- especially, I think, I think that the, the Casino Royale from the whole Craig era. I think it's the one that's most burdened by an expectation to have, uh, you know, quote unquote Bond girl, mm-hmm. yeah. because the film's plot really doesn't need one. Not really, <laughs> uh, and and you have you have Jeremy Arterton's character, which it it just feels <sighs> that the whole, everything to do with that particular character in that film feels like a laboured point of uh, we have to do this because it's a Bond film. Yeah, we have to have and two the, women in this film, <laughs> and the fact that she she has the the famous. Uh, Goldfinger death, but with oil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I I literally can't decide if that's clever or absolutely stupid. <laughs> I can't decide whether I I respect it or hate it. <laughs> yeah, it's 
yeah, I feel like that entire film has just a lot of scenes that have maybe a good idea at its centre, but it's mm-hmm. just not done well. Um, mm. And then, and you sort of have um, Olga Kurilenko's character, mm-hmm. Camille. Camille, um, and I think do they kiss at the end? They do, but it's very much kind of a a goodbye kiss, not like mm. a romantic kiss. Yeah, and it, it's very much to me that I think she really works in the film. Mm-hmm. But again, it feels like the film is burdened by this idea of having to have a Bond girl. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I think, I do genuinely think it's a effect of the film to have Bond meet somebody who is also on this big quest for revenge. And I think it's a good way of, of exploring that. And I think, again, there are good aspects to how they explore Bond's quest for revenge and how several people die on the way. Um, is it Mathis? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think for the most part, I think that's done quite well. Yeah, I feel like he's... a particular aspect. Uh, yeah, it, there's kind of a touching aspect to their kind of relationship because I feel like he's the only one that knew about him in Vesper, like mm. really. So I feel like that's kind of well utilised for the most part. Um, and there's yeah. sort of an aspect of tragedy in it as well for the fact that he's not only dead because of Bond, but he also got shafted at the end of Casino Royale because of Bond. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, there are a lot of aspects that work in Casino Royale, but it just, I, I can't remember how long it is in terms of runtime, but it is a film that feels long. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and it also suffers from two very, very unengaging antagonists. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only thing I remember about um, the... It's green. Is it green? Yeah, Dominic Green. <laughs> the only thing I remember about Dominic Green is that it was a pretty fun boss fight in the video game. <laughs> really? <laughs> It was all right in the because in, in the, there were two versions of the game because it was different for PS2 to PS3. Mm. I just remember the PS2 game in that his death in the PS2 game is different from the film, right, and yeah. it's so more satisfying. Yeah, <laughs> it's like um, I think how, how does he die in the film? Does he fall into the fire? No, he he gets put in the desert and gets given a can of oil to drink. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. Yes, and then. Somebody shoots him, don't they? No, no, he just Bond just leaves, and I think later on, like, oh, he he had lung, he had oil in his lungs. He must have drank the oil. <laughs> ah, I see. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, you have that, which in in itself is quite a quite a, quite a satisfying way to kill him off. But in in the game, it's just so much better in that you just annihilate him with bullets. <laughs> <laughs> you just it's like a cool cutscene where he just shoots him five times, and it's just sort of yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just it just suffers from those two antagonists. Like the, the, there's a, there's a scene like towards the end where they're in the compound, and Dominic Green it sort of flips the script on the the dictator, whatever he is. Mm, yeah, and like talking about contracts, <laughs> I'm just sat there thinking, I do not give a shit. Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> do not care about this at all. <laughs> this doesn't. <laughs> This this whole general, other than the fact of it being a rather interesting sort of adding, a, uh, helping to add the sort of revenge aspect of of Camille, 
There's no point to him being here. Really, yeah, there's no point. <laughs> I, I feel like Dominic Green suffers from just... He didn't quite know what to do with the big, like the big villain, apparently. Because like, mm-hmm. Quantum, if you don't know, like, like if the people that are listening don't know, like Quantum was... It was meant to be Spectre, but they couldn't use Spectre because the rights were like held up by something. So they were like, let's just create a new name. So it's the same concept, but it's called Quantum. Mm-hmm. So... And then they had two years to make this film, well, probably less, to make this film with a writer's strike. And I think they were just like, you don't know how to make a big bad a big bad. And it mm-hmm. just kind of ends up being a guy who, I mean, I think the perfect example is the way he's introduced is he's just sitting down in a little, in a little warehouse. <laughs> I mean, he just sort of, he's doing like, I think he's doing like a painting and mm-hmm. he's so not threatening at all. Like he shouts at Camille and then mm-hmm. I'm like, Camille can just kill you right now. I don't think anyone would care. <laughs> Not even your bodyguards would care. No, I don't think they would. And he does like his whole Bond villain thing where he gives a little speech about how the last person who was mean to him got killed. And it just doesn't... It, I don't believe it. <laughs> mm. It's sort of like a... When that speech begins, it's sort of like an almost like a disappointing realisation of, oh, you're the villain. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's, you're not the henchman, even. You're the villain. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and even like you could argue that Le Chief in uh, Casino Royale isn't that important of a villain. He's definitely he's a villain that kind of feels like he's just barely making a biosimilar bond. And he's mm-hmm. but at least he had kind of a presence and and he, he uh, felt vulnerable as well. He's a very well, vulnerable yeah. villain. Yeah, he felt very vulnerable. He felt very kind of like. He felt like he could outsmart Bond at the same time as, like, feeling that he had, to, like, I don't know how to put it, but he had, like, this, and again, as well, the design of the character, he had an actually interesting design. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it was, I do kind of don't want Bond to lead into it all tropes. I do feel like a Bond villain with a a good design is a, kind of important, because I feel mm. that's important anyway, like, any villain in any franchise. Um, yeah, it's not necessarily something that, a Bond film has to have. It's just a, like a, a film like this has to have. Yeah, yeah, and and we've got that every time. I think even Blofeld, for all of that film's faults, he at least has kind of a look to him. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think yeah, it yeah. really. Silver does in Skyfall. Yeah, yeah, and so I think Safin's a new villain in the new one, and he has that kind of. Oh, he definitely does. They went for it for that villain, so I'm really excited for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, this villain Dominic Green has. It feels <laughs> like again, like, yeah, yeah, he's, he's just a guy, and I feel like they went too far into. They looked at Casino Royale like, oh, we're doing we're doing realistic gritty Bond, and we're doing down earth terrorism, and we're doing like just regular things with a character in the middle of it. And they kind of went too far of it by going, how about let's make a really average normal guy the villain? Because that'll be that'll be interesting and in you and interesting and different, and it's. It didn't. It didn't land right at all, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I, yeah. The, I feel like as even though I don't like Spectre and I prefer Quantum, I do feel like villain-wise, I at least prefer the presence of Blofeld in mm-hmm. the film. Because um, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like the main problem with Blofeld though is still like the the Star Trek Into Darkness thing of like you tell me your name. And it means nothing. <laughs> like it just to any of the characters in the room, it means nothing, and it's mm-hmm. pointless. 
Um, but yeah. Any, any, anyone in the cinema younger than 35 has absolutely <laughs> no idea what that means. Yep. I, I, honestly, I even feel like people that watch the original films in cinema have no idea what it means this far on from those films. <laughs> like, because Crossland didn't have a Blofeld until just now, we had no Blofeld. Mm-hmm. The last Blofeld was probably like. Early 80s, maybe? Yeah, like a Roger Moore film, but like not the main villain, just kind of. I think, honestly, I pro- I'm probably wrong, but I feel like the last time I saw Blofeld before now was in that scene you're talking about where he gets put down that, like that. Yeah, I have a vague recollection. I think that's how he gets killed off, and it's right at the start of the film. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I don't even think audiences that loved the films back when they were coming out were like, I need to see Blofeld again. <laughs> like, I don't even think that was a thing. So it's just weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> but... And, and as well, as well uh, one of the one of the reasons why I'm you think about, and the reason they probably couldn't give him the bald look is because the look of the Austin Powers villain is probably more famous than actual Blofeld. Absolutely, that is pretty much <laughs> true. Like I did not, I honestly, I remember as a kid seeing the actual Blofeld in one of the films, or maybe I don't know on internet, on internet or something like that, and thinking, is that a parody of the parody. I thought that was... <laughs> they were definitely that of the joke film, like mm-hmm. uh, Austin Powers, and that's how far it's went with, like, which one's more famous now. Like, I know people, like, in my life that have watched every Austin Powers film but have not seen a single James Bond film. Mm. Um, so they have got to be careful of that. So it's weird that they recreate the plot of Goldmember. <laughs> it's so weird that they did that. Um, yeah. But I think... Do you, want, do you want to like move forward to what you hope that No Time to Die is going to do for Craig for his like last film? I just hope it gives him a good send off because I think he definitely deserves it because he's given a lot of himself to this. He does. He has. Yeah. You, know, you, you look at that video that was out recently where you know he's saying, I, th- I think I think he even says that you know my thoughts on these films are well known, mm-hmm. but I have absolutely loved working with the with the, with the crew and and work and working with the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's probably just screams ultimate professional. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and the least he deserves is to go out in a film that he feel, feels mm-hmm. is a good one. Yeah, he yeah. feels confident in, um, mm-hmm. and and you know, and proud of. And I, I, I hope that above all else, that delivers. This film delivers that. Mm-hmm. I feel like he. Even in like the press tours I've seen recently, and of course everyone is contract- uh, contractually obligated to tell everyone it's a good film. I, mm-hmm. I get that, but there is kind of a, a breath of like fresh air or, or like a, a sigh of relief whenever he says, "I was happy with Spectre, but I want to do one more." And mm-hmm. he seems happier with this one, at the very least, than the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that, and I think. I think I've I've always been saying this for the past year now because the film's been delayed so many times. But I've just I'm just really excited to see a Bond film where they know going in that's the last one. Because mm. I don't think we've I we we haven't had that ever before. Like Sean Connery's one last one was not never really planned to be his last one. Um, the way Sean Connery left was weird because it was sort of he did his, he did he did what would have been his last one, mm-hmm. and then George Lazenby did in, and then Sean Connery came back. Yeah. Yeah, and then he went away again, and then he came back. He ten years later and did the remake of Thunderball or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So weird when I think about it. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, it's, it's interesting interesting to have that. And I think this is probably the only time we can go into a film with the idea of maybe they'll kill Bond off. Yeah, that is possible. Like, it is like a real possibility. I think, I don't think it will happen, but it's not as weird that it could happen. Like, mm. And I just want to see what people behind Bond do, especially the producers that have been doing these films for so long, what mm. they do for the first time ever, knowing that this is the last one for an actor. Because um, mm. I, I, like, you know, I was watching, uh, I think I was watching, yeah, I was watching the Graham Norton uh, interview with um, Daniel Craig and, like, the entire cast of the new one. Mm. Um, and it was kind of weird watching them all go, uh, like, at the very end of the interview, kind of be like, you've been a, like, a great Bond and you've done a great job and we loved you as a character and it's sad to see you go, but it's a great film and goodbye. And it was weird to have, like, everyone know it's the last, I don't know what, it's, what it is about it, but mm. I feel like we're so... The Bond franchise obviously will continue, but I think so far we're so used to franchises always continuing, like with the actors doing it still. Um, mm-hmm. Like the Avengers, for example, like we always know that it's going to continue. and But we never knew going in that for Robert Downey Jr. It's, it's the last one, and that's the big deal of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like it's it's interesting to see everyone kind of be like going to this film thinking, oh, it's the last one of this Bond who's been, I think now officially the longest running Bond ever. I think. Um, yeah. Because it's been like 14, 15 years now. Um, he's only made five films. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's only made five films, but like those five films have been over that many years <laughs> um, compared to it's some like, who made one every year. <laughs> it also feels weird in that um, each film is like, it's longer since the last one. Yeah, I yeah. Guess, I think when I was looking at the years when I was doing the reviews, it's 2006 to 2008 for Casino Royale to um, Quantum of Solace. Then it's, I think it's four years to Skyfall. Yeah. Then maybe it might be back down to three to Spectre, and that has been six. Six years, yeah. <laughs> Mainly because two of those years were filled with, please come back, Daniel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was up in the air for so long. Um, and then there was, there was like, like we, we were messaging the other day, yeah, and we were we were saying, we were texting the other day, you know, for a good year of that, this film was going to be directed by Danny Boyle. Yeah, yeah. I totally forgot about that as well. <laughs> um, and yeah, so it, it, it is weird to, to go in knowing that it's last. And as well, obviously not looking too much the future because, you know, we're, look, we're looking forward to this one at the moment. But it's also weird to think about what are they going to do with this Bond franchise now? Mm-hmm. Given that in the past they've been able to get away with recasting and doing this weird, weird thing where it's the same character or a different actor and, mm-hmm. you know, they've got away with it because they did it that many times. But to do it now in the current universe where this Bond has had an arc. Yep. Yeah, there's yep. a definite beginning, which was a completely fresh start. Mm-hmm. And the Bond's had a definitive end in this severely more grounded and definitely more interconnected because the films definitely follow each other significantly more than any of the other Bonds have done before. Yep, absolutely, yeah. And it, to yeah. think if, if Bond is gone and they obviously will want to continue the Bond franchise, what do they do? Yeah, and the thing is they can't even go by the old, it's a code name thing because Skyfall had 
the like confirmation that it has it is his real name mm. because it has yeah. like, his parents' gravestones. Um, so, and I think the the weirdest part would be to see Ralph Fiennes M and uh, Ben Whishaw's Q and all that in the new ones without Daniel Craig. Mm. Yeah, it would. They, they were always they always represented like good foils around Daniel Craig. Yeah, it felt like they were built around him. Yeah, it's yeah. It, I can't, I can't, and really, I don't know what they're gonna do because I feel like that I, if I ever got to really do an awkward, like quick explanation, or either ignore it or do an entire recast of the entire cast, like mm. no more Ralph Fiennes or anything like that, which would be a shame because they've literally just got started with the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's yeah. It's so weird that. The next film was not going to have him in it, but also, what does that mean? Because for the first time ever, these films are actually like connected. Mm. <laughs> it's weird, yeah. Unless they just have him have him finish his story, and they do genuinely continue and have someone like Lashana Lynch take over in the lead role. Yeah, they could be doing that. We don't know um, because I'm 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 not exactly sure on what they've said, but have they confirmed that Lashana Lynch is 007? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, and obviously it comes sort of following what Daniel Craig said recently about he doesn't think a woman should be should be James Bond because women deserve to have as equally good characters written from written originally. Yeah, I remember I remember reading that headline and kind of having a moment of oh god, no, not Daniel, not Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the same. Yeah, and then I read the actual explanation. I was like, okay, yeah, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh, that's a relief. He's he's turned it around. Yeah, because I, I realized recently that I I love Daniel Craig as just, as just a person. Mm, yeah, so do I. He's, he's lovely. <laughs> he is. A, a, any interview he just seems really nice. Yeah, and he's there every weekend saying, "Ladies and gentlemen, it's a weekend." He's just does that every week now. <laughs> so nice, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, and. And for him, it must be nice being able to do this and notice the last one and just being able to say, I've done that big franchise and I can kind of do whatever I want now. Yeah, like, I, I, think can, was... I can do nice Act too. Because, <laughs> you know, he can just do Benoit. You know, you could just do Benoit Blanc in the Knives Out films and just be happy with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I hope he does more weird characters. Because I've always thought that before... Craig became Bond. He was always kind of a, a weird character actor, mm. and but he kind of just got stuck with being a good-looking guy. So therefore, he became Bond. Mm. I <laughs> love he, him in Logan Lucky. Oh yeah, he's great in that. He's he's in um he's in um Rotor Petition with uh, Tom Hanks and uh, yeah, I oh, Sam, Men- Sam Mendes, I think, directing it. Yeah. Um, and he again in that film, he plays like a very weird kind of. Willy Weasley kind of son of a famous person kind of character. He's not at all James Bond. He's not at mm. all anything close to what we know him as in Casino Royale, for example. But I, yeah, I always feel like he got a bit trapped in these films, and mm. not in the you know in the, a bad way really, because I feel like he's made it for the most part very good. And even if, if his last film isn't the best film, I feel like at the very least it'll be. He, he seems happy with this one, definitely. Mm. Um, yes, he does. Um. And I don't blame him because Spectre, I must imagine, because the tra- I remember, because I recently I've been kind of going through the trailers for the old films. Um, 
and I I got to Spectre and I was like, oh yeah, because I remember Spectre included a lot of the action, a lot of the, you know, the plane, snow chase thing and the train fight and these car chases things and all that. And I was like, oh, it looked like an exciting film. And we had no reason to really worry because Sam Mendes had made Skyfall. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't he make another great film? And I can only imagine him, Daniel Craig, knowing what the film was actually like. <laughs> was a bit like, yeah, guys, don't get excited for that car chase because nothing really happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a la- more a time trial. <laughs> yeah, it's more like, it's more like, you know, and I feel like what's even more boring about that entire sequence is that it's an empty street. Like, it's just no one's around like it's just an empty midnight room like it's just not interesting at all and bond just kind of presses some buttons at some point and it's yeah inspector we went on too far about specter i think but you yeah. keep coming back to it don't we yeah it's just so annoying because it's just not what we liked about this version um mm-hmm. but it happened anyway um but yeah and i think like i feel like uh, the new director carrie I can't remember how to say his last name. I never can. Fukunawa? Carrie. Yeah, Carrie. Okay. Um, his, I feel like he has more of a kind of a, a Casino Royale sensibility to him. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to make a polished James Bond film like Spectre was. It's going to be more, at the very least for, the, for some of it, kind of more along the lines of Casino Royale, for example. Um Oh, Goldeneye, maybe. I don't. I'm, I can't see him making a, a polished Roger Moore film or like that. Um, yeah, and yeah, I think I'm looking forward to No Time to Die a lot because I feel like it's. I just feel like he deserves it, Daniel Craig. I just feel like he deserves another film, another go at it. <laughs> he does. He he deserves that perfect send off. He does. Yeah. Um, would you say that he was the best Bond? I would. Yeah. I, I yeah I I think even if this even if No Time to Die isn't as good as we're hoping it is, mm-hmm. I still think nothing could change the fact that he's pretty cemented as as the best Bond. Yeah, even Inspector, where he's like we said before, he looks bored in that film, but he still somehow plays off what he's been forced to play off quite well. I would say, mm. um, he does. It's, it's kind of unfortunate that he's doing. What probably what he never wanted to do with the character, but it's he still plays it quite well. Mm. Um, and I feel like I I always thought this as well. I feel like the previous Bond actors are were always good at something specific, but never allowed to do that specific thing, that specific thing very well. Like mm-hmm. Sean Connery was very very good at being like the suave kind of guy, but the films never let him outside of just it never let him do that properly. And I feel like. I feel like probably the worst one for this, even though I do like him a lot, is Prius Brosnan. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of feels like he's good at everything that a Bond actor should be good at, but not the best at something a Bond actor should be good at. If that makes yeah. sense. Like he's, yeah, he's yeah not, I think that's very fair. Yeah, he's he's the be- He's like a good looking one. He's also the the action guy. He's also kind of emotional. He's also kind of suave. But he's never, you know, he's never the most action-oriented. He's never the most suave. He's always kind of, like, an even playing field. Just kind of a, a pretty good Bond. Like, and I've, I do like him a lot. But I just feel like every actor before this has always been chained down by the franchise the franchise around them rather than just mm. the actor leads the tone, which is yeah. what Daniel Craig managed to do. 
Yeah, they've they've never really let a Bond actor lean into what they're what they're bringing to the table. Yeah, uh, always yeah. been it's always been demanded of them that they have to do all these other things. Mm-hmm. Like like we were saying with, with License to Kill, I think if they'd gone down a really dark Bond route, I think Timothy Dalton would have absolutely smashed it. Yeah, yeah. Like this is my main problem with the film at the moment because I'm watching it like I'm half like I've paused it before the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my main problem with it is the fact that Timothy Dalton is trying really hard to do something different, but the film starts off quite grounded and quite well, and then just keeps on expanding beyond like what it needs to be doing completely like mm. it's just more plot lines and more characters and more bond girls and all this sort of thing and it feels like timothy dalton's just trying madly to like make it not that film like he's trying to make it something interesting mm-hmm. about bond but it's just not quite happening um mm-hmm. i feel like that kind of goes for literally every actor in the role it before mm-hmm. Diana Craig. yeah um, i think i think maybe the only exception to the rule is that is perhaps roger moore in that they just let him be a creepy middle-aged man. Yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> I feel like Roger Moore was, he kind of didn't mind just doing what was kind of expected. And I feel like I kind of mean to say it, but he kind of, he fitted well into what the franchise was anyway. Mm. So He was kind of happy to fit the mould that they put him in. Yeah, yeah, he didn't really, and I do kind of, I always kind of love Roger Moore being a Bond that kind of admitted that it was a bit silly that he was ever James Bond. Like, I kind of enjoyed that. That he was he never felt comfortable doing it because he thought it was kind of ridiculous that he was ever an action star. <laughs> yeah. Um and his interpretation I feel like it's kind of funny to think about this because I feel like everyone else's interpretation is that Bond likes what he's doing, but Roger Moore kind of always went along the lines of he didn't want to be doing it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's kind of a very much a different take of the character. Um but yeah, I, he's just kind of in these whatever films are just doing the structure again and again. Um, yeah, which is kind of a shame. Um, yeah, but I feel like Skyfall, Casino Royale, Quantum, um, kind of Spectre, I, I guess, at the very least are trying to kind of lead by what the films are saying and not by just we're hitting the marks. Mm-hmm. Um, especially Skyfall. Like Skyfall is very much like thematically like centered <laughs> and not just plot centered um yeah yeah i agree I, yeah um yeah i'm glad i'm glad we're able to agree that craig is the best yeah definitely <laughs> um one more little question um do you have a favorite bond theme oh i honestly think my favorite one is the casino royale one do you yeah you know my name i love that song so i, lo- I love skyfall and i I even like the Quantum Solace theme song, which I know is unpopular, I guess. Um, I I quite actually like No Time to Die. Um, mm. I, again, do not like Spectre's song. <laughs> do you know, I, my, my favourite would be Hands Down Skyfall. I, I love that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's the best uh, one. I love it too, yeah, definitely. I, for, for the Spectre one, which is the Sam Smith, um, I feel on the name. The yeah, writing on the wall. Yeah, I before the film I wasn't keen on it, but after watching the film, I actually liked the song more, mm-hmm. and it's grown on me a lot since. Yeah, yeah, but, I yeah. can see that. Um, yeah, my my favorite. I just love Skyfall. It's just dramatic as a Bond song song should be. You think? Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that is, I, I do admit that is one hundred percent tainted by the fact that that is my favourite Bond film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely helps. <laughs> um, yeah. as, as my 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 mum uh, told me the other day that she heard um she heard the one for on a Majesty's Secret Service, which is the Louis Armstrong one. Mm. I must admit that is a particularly good one, which is uh, uh, we have all the time in the world. I vaguely remember it. Yeah, I think so. It's more like kind of a slow melody, isn't it? Mm. I yeah. also another one to add to it. I also have a soft spot for a view to a kill. Oh yeah, okay. Mainly yeah. because it's Duran Duran. <laughs> yeah, I know that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There are some good ones in the old ones. Like I do think Goldfinger is a good one. I do think. You only live twice. I kind of enjoy, um, but I just think, yeah, I don't quite. I don't actually like Goldeneye that much. That song. Neither do I. I'm it's looking on Yeah, like it's sort of disappointing that that film has to kind of the whatever song in it. Um, <laughs> Die Another Day is a terrible song. God, I hate that song. Oh I can't even remember. I, I blocked it out from memory. Madonna, and it's just. It's like a techno, like oh yeah, oh, techno. Yeah, it's just it's like it's missing like words and beats and there's there's the lyrics are so bad. Oh god, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I I've honestly I do I have enjoyed every Daniel Craig song so far. Mm-hmm. Um, the more I listen, listen to No Time to Die as well, I like that more as well. Um, yeah, the ominousness is building on me. Yeah, I'm yeah. enjoying that aspect. Like I keep on imagining that song coming after we find out that Madeline has betrayed Bond in some way, and I feel mm-hmm. like that kind of works quite well. Um, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what this film does for just the Bond character in general, because I feel like this film, at the very least, is starting off from quite an emotional place, because against the first time that a Bond film was started, from the get-go, he's got someone with him. Like, yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, we've never had it before. It's always someone new or the person died. <laughs> like, it's never a happy ending. So it's weird that he's starting off at a good place. Mm-hmm. That's weird, actually. No, I think that, that is weird, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very weird. Yeah, he's happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, I think this film could definitely, it could cement what, Sort of the legacy of Daniel Craig's Bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it gonna just is the is the last say gonna be another awkward homage to films that were never any good, or is <laughs> it gonna sort of cement the idea that this Bond is different? Yeah. Like yeah. I said, no matter what, I think Craig will be the best Bond. But it's just whether it's it's just what message the film mm-hmm. chooses to solidify. Yeah. And even from the trailers, it looks like, at least on the action side, it looks like Bond's getting, like, put through it, at least. Yeah. Um, this time around. Because, like, there's multiple shots where he's, like, on the ground and being hit by an explosion. I'm like, thank God he's getting hurt. Because I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like Cody's not Superman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you have any anything else to say about this Craig era of Bond films? No, I think I think that's it. I think I've said everything I want to say. What about you? Yeah. yeah, nothing much else. I think we're both quite positive for the most part on his run. Yeah, like we are. We are. He's kind of the the first one that's ever made anything out of it from the character mm. point of view. Um, Def- oh, definitely. Without 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 a shadow of doubt. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's unfortunate that his 
films have kind of followed a rhythm so far where it's kind of good, bad, good, bad. <laughs> um, so hopefully the last one was very good and I can leave it off on a good note. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, I would love to have like a final Bond film from an actor that's actually a high point and not just... Uh, whatever film, you know. Not not just a, oh, well, this is his last one. Yeah, this is, I don't want to die another day. <laughs> yeah, basically, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shall I wrap up then? Yeah, wrap it up. Okay, so thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. If you have any of your own opinions about Daniel Craig, James Bond, or Bond in general, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. let us know on the Instagram, the Twitter, or any podcast you're listening on. Uh, was appreciated. Uh, very much happy to, you know, have conversations about these sort of things because uh, movies are fun. Um, they are. Very <laughs> um, um, but yeah, hope you last uh, like this one. Uh, want to remind you again, we have got Instagram account at Marvelous and Podcast. We have reviews during the week. We're doing Bond at the moment, so very much in tone with this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and podcast during the week as well, usually on Monday. Um, and we also have. Uh, a Twitter account at Cinema Marvelous. Doing anything over there, just uh, a podcast every week on a Monday, usually, and reviews coming out during the week. Uh, yeah, so I hope you enjoyed this one and thank you for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.